This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Rosen traded to the Dolphins. I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Rosen looking down the field, and his pass is going to be caught for the touchdown. All right, gather round, Dolphins fans. It's Kyle Krabs, host of Fin It to Win It. And we need to talk about some underclassmen declarations because while this NFL draft class is still extremely good, the Dolphins over the course of the past several days have seen a couple players drop off that are eligible for the 2020 NFL draft, choosing to go back to school Decisions that will change the landscape of certain position groups uh, across the 2020 NFL Draft. We have a few months to sift through the wreckage to see who's left over, who's able to help their stock. Uh, But by and large, the NFL Draft class has taken some hits, uh, namely amongst the offensive line group over the course of the past two days now, being Friday afternoon, we have seen... Creed Humphrey, uh, the number one rated center prospect in the country, uh, elect and announce that he is going back for his uh, following season, his his redshirt sophomore season in 2020 at Oklahoma. He will not be in this year's draft class. Furthermore, Trey Smith, an offensive guard from University of Tennessee, declared yesterday at a press conference that he would be returning for his senior season at the University of Tennessee with the Volunteers. So those are two top two round caliber guys. So if the Dolphins are looking for plug-and-play starters, you're probably going to have to get to the point here very soon where you need to consider free agency for the interior offensive line as your best realistic option. Uh, the Dolphins should, whatever they should choose to do with Michael Dieter. We've talked on this show before. Do not give up on Michael Dieter just because he didn't have the best of rookie seasons. He was playing next to a guy at center who really struggled with power and gave up a lot of penetration in Daniel Kilgore. And he was playing next to a revolving door on his left at left tackle throughout the course of the entire season. It's hard when you are a rookie and you have enough on your plate to try to serve as a stabilizing factor between Two inconsistent variables on either side of you. The Dolphins could choose to play him at left guard and keep him there. The Dolphins could use choose to play him at center. He played center at Wisconsin. More than 10 starts at Wisconsin during his college career. But whatever the Dolphins choose to do with, with Michael Dieter, I think free agency is probably the way to go in the interior offensive line. And it makes sense because the, 
the Dolphins have traditionally neglected the guard positions. You think back, they've they've had really good offensive tackle playing stretches. They've had good center play with Mike Pouncey and uh, Juwan James and Laramie Tunsil and Brandon Albert when he was here. And uh, the best offensive line we've seen in the last four or five years from the Miami Dolphins was 2016 when it was Albert, Tunsil at left guard, Pouncey at center, Variable at right guard, and then Juwan James at right tackle. It, I, I am of the school of thought. That your offensive line, you can't, you have to have at least some good players playing next to each other. And the Dolphins have traditionally had no two good players playing next to each other for quite some time. Uh, that needs to change. And the best way to do that is to solidify your interior, get your interior trio right. And then even if you have liabilities on the outside, you, you have a fortified protection in the middle that's able to hold their ground. Avoid giving up a bunch of penetration. I think that is a really good good way to go for the Dolphins, and it's only being further exacerbated by the returning talent in the interior offensive line. And furthermore, this is a great year to need offensive tackles. There are a lot of good offensive tackles in this year's draft class, and almost all of them are coming back. The one disappointment that chose to go back uh, from if you're looking at the NFL draft from a Miami Dolphins perspective, selfishly, you would have liked to have seen Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle from Alabama, choose to come out. He did not. He's returning for his senior season. More power to him. This draft class still has Andrew Thomas, still has Jedrick Wills, who is officially in. We're still waiting on word from... Tristan Wirfs, the Iowa offensive tackle potential top 15 pick. Doesn't sound like he's super intent on coming out, but if he does, it's a big win. If it's not, there's still depth behind it because you've got guys like Mikai Becton from Louisville who's already in the bucket. Austin Jackson from USC is still eligible to come out and declare. Uh, Prince Tegawanago from Auburn is going to be the Senior Bowl, and he is a very, very toolsy prospect. There's options at offensive tackle. But in the interior, we're starting to look a little thin, and it's not the only position that, based on where the Miami Dolphins have their draft capital, that there's at least been a uh, a decision that's kind of sucked the, the wind out of Miami's options. The cornerback position is another one. Ohio State Sean Wade at the end of last week, obviously declaring that he was coming back for his upcoming season in 2020 at Ohio State. Uh, that was a big hit to the end of the first round that Texans pick potentially had the potential to work himself up into a top 20 selection, in my opinion, as a a nickel guy, but he's going to get the chance to show that he can play outside. Good for him. Uh, uh, Paulson Adebo from Stanford is another one that hurts. This this decision just came in this afternoon that Paulson Adebo, who is physical, he can play at the line of scrimmage. He's a great tackler. He's got good ball skills. He he didn't have quite the same year this year that he had in 2018, but he's still very, very toolsy. And pairing him with Xavier Howard would have given the Dolphins a, a really attractive and physical one-two punch at the cornerback position on the outside. Uh, that's probably not going to materialize now because Adebo's going back for 2020 at Stanford. So, that corner position, if you're looking for other names to kind of rise and bubble up, depends on how much Miami wants to marry themselves to the Xavier Howard mold and model. 
if they choose to do so, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama is an option, preferably in the early second round. Jalen Johnson, corner from Utah, with the later second round pick, still an option. But guys like C.J. Henderson, you know, he he's a dog. He could play great in man coverage, and he's long and he's scrappy, but he's not physical. So if you're looking for qualifiers for Miami, that may disqualify him from Miami. Jeff Gladney from TCU is another name to know in the corner group, but he's more of a typewriter feet style, really jitterbug-ish defender. Is Miami going to covet that? Because that's that's a little bit more like what you can expect to get with Bobby McCain when Bobby was playing nickel. I think Jeff has a little bit more upside playing outside than what Bobby did. But that's a challenge now that, that Miami's really going to have to look at the corner position based on the returnees as well. It's been kind of a, a, a tough week for returnees on the interior offensive line and at the corner position uh, for the Miami Dolphins and their, their NFL draft plans. Of course, it's not all bad. So let's take a step back. I'm sure some people will hear this and they'll, they'll choose to, to gloom and doom, which everybody loves to do, and that's okay. But it's something to be aware about as the Dolphins proceed through their, their planning for free agency. Expect interior offensive line. Expect cornerback. Expect them to be more active in those markets than what they may have otherwise been. I'd really be surprised to see this team go big at running back in free agency, however, because every time you blink, literally every time you blink, there's another talented running back jumping into this corner or this running back class. Uh, some of the notable names at running back already. Not all of these are scheme fits. We're going to whittle through them. Don't worry. A.J. Dillon from Boston College, Anthony McFarland from Maryland, Cam Akers from Florida State, DeAndre Swift from Georgia, D.J. Dallas from Miami, Deshaun McLeese from Virginia Tech, Eno Benjamin from Arizona State. I know some people are going to hear Arizona State and not want to have anything to do with him, but trust me, he's pretty different than Kalen Balaj. J.J. Taylor from Arizona, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, Javon Leak, also from Maryland. Uh, you've also got Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. So the list goes on and on and on and on. Kylan Hill from Mississippi State is a pretty dynamic, explosive guy. So which of these guys makes the most sense for the, the Miami Dolphins? I think two names jump out at me big time. And based on some of the returning players in the interior offensive line and the cornerback, Miami may have some more flexibility at the end of the first round and the early second round to think about a guy like J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, who rushed for over 2,000 yards this year and was a monster. He's got awesome vision. You watch how clean he is impressing the line of scrimmage, bouncing outside or tucking up, getting into inside gaps. He's built low to the ground. He's got good explosiveness and straight line speed. He looks much more dynamic than what he did in 2018. I came into this year and I wasn't super high on J.K., but he looks like a totally different player. And that's good news for the Dolphins. I think he's a player that's a pretty realistic option. End of round one, which I wouldn't love. Beginning of round two, I would love. It's just a question on if they feel he will get there or not. Uh, before we finish talking about draft prospects today, I do want to make one admission. 
there's a name who I've seen constantly tied to the Dolphins. I have tied him to the Dolphins as a potential late first-round player. And I just watched this player's 2019 tape, and this is an underclassman who's declared. And I would like to officially announce that I'm out. And you should be out, too. Uh, Wisconsin center Tyler Beattis has declared for the 2020 NFL Draft. He's a redshirt junior. He had awesome redshirt freshman tape in 2017. 2018, slight drop-off, still very, very, very good. He was given a go-back-to-school grade from uh, the NFL Advisory Committee based on he had, uh, I believe it was a hip injury uh, that he had surgery for in March and elected to go back to school, came back this year, and Tyler's 2019 tape looks nothing like what his first two years at Wisconsin did. I don't know if it's the hip or the injury. I don't know if he's put on too much weight because he's he's a dense build. He's listed at 6'3", 321, but he's fallen off blocks left and right. He doesn't seem to have the dynamic range of motion in his lower half. He doesn't seem to have the short area quickness that he once had. He can't stick on blocks. He's falling off guys because he's leaning too far forward. It doesn't look like he's getting good hip activation. If you were of the school of thought, which I was for a very long time, you know, at the beginning of this season and up until uh, very, very recently when I, I actually put him under a fine-tooth uh, comb and looked at his 2019 tape with intent, if you were of the school of thought that Tyler Beattis should be a potential first-round, early second-round target for the Miami Dolphins, get off the wagon now. Because the tape this year is very, very ugly, and with a hip issue in his medical history, I would expect teams are going to look at the medicals, or the medical history, they're going to look at the bad tape this year and the regression, and it's, it's going to get ugly on that front. Uh, Tyler is... He, he still had the flashes of it, but the consistency was nowhere near what it was. And I don't know if he's recovering from an injury. I don't know if he, he's lost some range of motion because of the procedure that he had. I don't know what it is, but I was pretty alarmed. And I would officially say you can cross that name off as well for interior offensive linemen as candidates for the Miami Dolphins in 2020's NFL Draft. Moving out of the draft game, I know you guys know that I, as a draft guy, could talk draft all day, but I would like to talk about some other things today on the show. Most notably, one that that has grabbed my attention is looking at the Dolphins' 2020 salary cap situation. Uh, One of the things I've done over the course of this past week for USA Today's Dolphins Wire is comb through who on the Dolphins is costing the Dolphins dead cap in 2020, and who are the Dolphins' most expensive players. So I'm going to give a rundown of the Dolphins' most expensive players overall, and I'm also going to give a rundown of who on the Dolphins uh, is, or who that used to be on the Dolphins, is responsible for dead cap. And we're going to talk about what other ramifications that may bring the Dolphins uh, with additional changes that they choose to make going forward. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you guys to the Dolphins' 15 most expensive players against the 2020 salary cap. Interesting list. Uh, number 
15, we're going to go backwards just for the sake of drama and, and intrigue and mystique. Uh, the 15th highest cap hit on the Dolphins' 2020 roster as of right now is quarterback Josh Rosen with a cap hit of $2,079,000. Pennies when you consider where he was selected in the draft. I will continue to stand by a low-risk uh, swing of the bat for a quarterback. It does not look like it's going to materialize for Josh here in Miami. And in the grand scheme of things, $2 million is nothing for, for an NFL team. The 14th highest salary cap hit for the Miami Dolphins this year is freshly extended wide receiver Alan Hearns, who's at just over $2.8 million. Number 13, a defensive end, Charles Harris, whose cap hit is just under $3.5 million. We'll talk about Charles here in just a second. Number 12, defensive tackle Christian Wilkins, who's just over $3.5 million. Number 11, Daniel Kilgore, who's also just over $3.5 million against the cap. Number 10, another freshly extended player, defensive back Eric Rowe at $4.1 million against the salary cap. Number nine, another extended player, wide receiver Jakeem Grant at $4.38 million in 2020. Devontae Parker at number eight, $4.6 million. Jesse Davis, $4.85 million. Uh, number six is former safety Minka Fitzpatrick, $5.02 million in dead cap this season in 2020. Bobby McCain, 6.24 at 5. Ryan Fitzpatrick at 8 million is the fourth highest cap hit against the Dolphins this season. We have three players over $10 million in cap hit. Two of these three, if I'm making decisions, is not back next year with the team. We have Albert Wilson at $10.83 million against the cap in 2020. Xavier Howard, $13.32 million against the cap. And Rashad Jones, uh, $15.5 million against the cap. So the Dolphins have three players in excess of $10 million against the salary cap. They have four players in excess of $8 million against the salary cap. And players on the roster, they have five players that are responsible for more than $5 million. So to give you an idea, they've got a lot of their good players are young players, and, and some of their more mid-20s guys, they've already extended. Devontae Parker checks in at eighth. He's already extended. Jakeem Grant, they've extended. He's under five or four and a half. Eric Rose, barely over four, and they just gave him an extension. Alan Hearns is under three. They gave him an extension. So like a lot of these core pieces that are going to be long-term views are already locked in a new contract. So that's a good position for the Dolphins to be in. I mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick uh, was inside one of the, the five biggest salary cap hits for the team, or I believe it was sixth, actually. Um, yeah, sixth on the list with $5.02 million in dead cap. The remaining players that are dinging Miami's salary cap in 2020 are TJ McDonald, Kiko Alonso, Kenny Stills, uh, 2019 late-round pick, 
Isaiah Prince, Cornell Armstrong, Danny Isadora, Vincent Taylor, and Tyrone Holmes. That is it. Of those players, Minka is the only one responsible for more than $2 million in dead cap. Uh, TJ McDonald, Kiko Alonso, Kenny Stills, those are the only ones responsible for more than $1 million in dead cap. So Miami has drastically changed their dead cap situation, uh, and, and it was kind of exacerbated by Minka electing to not want to be a part of what we're building in Miami, and that's his right to do so. I'm not going to get on that soapbox once again. I've shared my thoughts on Minka strong-arming his way out, if you will publicly complaining until he was traded. Um, but as far as the guys at the top of the list, the top 15 names, uh, if you include, uh, if you remove Minka Fitzpatrick and add the next guy down on the list, it's Taco Charlton at $1.8 million as far as active players on the Dolphins roster. Of these players, who is worth the money they're getting paid? Rashad Jones at this point, unfortunately for nostalgic Dolphins fans, is not. The Dolphins can cut him and save $5.5 million. I expect them to try and trade him, but with a $15.56 million cap hit and a base salary of, an, of nearly $11.5 million, I have a very hard time seeing anybody trading for Rashad or anybody picking up his contract off waivers. I expect Miami to cut him and clear up $5.5 million, taking on an additional $10 million in dead cap space. That's okay. Albert Wilson. I love him. I love the fact that he come on, came on strong coming back from the injury in the last month of the season. But Albert Wilson is not worth almost $11 million in cap space, and Miami can cut him and save $9.5 million. I think you do that. And those two moves alone give the Dolphins an additional $15 million in cap space. Daniel Kilgore uh, is a name that jumps out to me. Uh, he's got no dead cap, so you could cut him and, and save $3.5 million on the spot. I would do it. Charles Harris is entering the last year of his contract. Uh, Miami cutting him would save the team zero money, unfortunately, but for the sake of just freeing up that roster spot, Charles has given the Dolphins nothing for three years now. So of the top 15 names, the names that I would part ways with for the Dolphins this offseason is to open up even more cap space and more snaps and opportunities for other guys, Rashad Jones, Albert Wilson, Daniel Kilgore, and Charles Harris. Those four of the top 15 salaries against the Dolphins cap in 2020 would be names that I would look for to be on the chopping block. Let's be honest. Daniel Kilgore was not super effective. Michael Dieter has positional flexibility to play center anyway. I think that adds up pretty favorably for an argument to just let's open up an additional offensive line spot and not hold it for a guy in Kilgore who, for being honest with each other, has no positional flexibility. And if you don't have positional flexibility, on the offensive line, especially for a roster like Miami, who has such a, a prominent youth movement underway, you're really kind of bogging up the line as far as what you can bring to the table. Charles Harris, listen, if Charles wasn't going to get it done this season with all the opportunities that were there with guys like Vince Beagle, 
Taco Charlton, uh, Andrew Van Ginkle. These guys are the primary pass rushers for the Dolphins, and Charles Harris is a former top 25 pick. Can't get on the field in that group. Let's just cut our losses and be done with it. Like, let's call a spade a spade here. It's what the Dallas Cowboys did with Charles Harris uh, or, or with Taco Charlton this season before Taco came to Miami and actually had a nice little season. Was he super proficient and consistent and productive as a pass rusher on a snap-by-snap basis? No. But he at least showed that like he, he can be on an NFL roster and he can bring some depth to a pass rush room, and he's got length and he's fairly physical. Uh, he's got to continue to work on pass rush counters, but you knew that when he was coming out of Michigan. And for his price at under $2 million, I'm fine leaving Taco Charlton, but but Charles Harris at, at almost twice the cost of what you get from Taco Charlton, and as a former first-round pick, let's let's just move on. I think that would probably be best for Charles, and it would probably be best uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Rashad Jones, if his cap hit wasn't so big, he'd have been gone last year. Let's be honest. You know, they, they did this dance with Rashad all offseason where uh, they they were thinking about trading him, and, and then Rashad wanted to be traded, and the sides talked, and then uh, the, he wasn't going to be traded, and then the rumors were that the Dolphins were shopping him again and trying to figure out how to move him, and nobody wanted to trade for a guy that had multiple years of, like, 12 plus million dollars in guarantees on his contract uh, and, and acquire that for a guy who's over the age of 30 and hasn't has had shoulder injury issues for several seasons in a row now. And lo and behold, Rashad comes into this season, didn't train with the team in the man, in the uh, voluntary period. And then he comes and plays in a handful of games and, and gets hurt and gets put on IR for what's probably his last season of Miami. It's unfortunate, but that's the business. And, uh, I think Rashad Jones should get an opportunity to test the free agent market, go sign somewhere, prove he can play and stay healthy, try and chase a championship. I'd love to see Rashad get some team success by the time Miami's ready to compete. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to happen here. Uh, So why not just move on? And then Albert Wilson, we've already talked about, uh, coming back from the hip injury that he suffered in 2018. He's a fun football player. He's a smart football player. He's an easy, super easy guy to like. But you're paying him 10.8 against the cap. Can't do it. So that would be my plan as far as the guys who are at the tops on the salaries for 2020. Who's staying? Who's going? Let me know what you think. You can reach me at Grinding the Tape. Thanks, as always, for listening to Finn and Win It. We'll be back again soon with another episode talking about the Miami Dolphins.
have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.